Our podcast is about a story about a town, a small town, and the people who live in the town. From a distance, it presents itself like so many other fandom podcasts all over the internet. Nerdy, white, male. Get closer though, and you start to see the silliness underneath. Hello, and welcome to River Do's and River Don'ts. I'm Quinn Wilson. And I'm really tired. Burnt the hell out. Yeah, he's Quinn and I'm Insomnia, and we will be hosting a show about Riverdale. A show about a show, about a story about a town. Indeed. And in this show, we like to go episode by episode and break things down for you with a quick summary of the episode's events. Follow that up with letting you know what our favorite thing was, our river do, what our least favorite thing was, our river don't, and what the most perplexing thing in that episode was, our weekly weirdness. Today, we're discussing Chapter 10 of Season 1, The Lost Weekend, written by Britta London and Brian E. Patterson, and directed by Don Wilkinson. So, this episode involves two things, (laughs) primarily, one of which is Fred leaving Riverdale to go to Chicago to finalize his divorce with his estranged wife. And clearly the source of Archie's uh, red hair. hair. Yep. And also another unnecessary, unasked for celebratory party that is relatively uncalled for. Uh, That is Jughead's birthday party. Yes, the other thing this episode involves is... Perhaps record-setting breaking of characters to contrive conflict in the plot. (laughs) Yes, where once it was Veronica who broke character to throw a misguided baby shower to bring families together. This time it's Betty who breaks character to give Jughead the birthday celebration that he's always needed and wanted and deserved. And it's not just Betty, it's almost everyone that this oh, plotline touches. The just, second. It's it's the Midas touch of bad character motivation. I, I, okay, the I'm just going to be real here. I fucking hate this episode. This episode is Garbo uh, in a lot of ways. It's my least favorite so far. Uh, I mean, it, in its defense... I'm going to give it its best day in court here and say that it didn't slur my wife's race. Okay. You know, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> that's that's the good point. That, that's a good we'll thing you can say about this episode. Column. Oh my god. In, in, in general storytelling terms, holy wow. Everyone, even Archie, who has known Jughead forever. I mean, everyone has known Jughead for forever, except Veronica. Of course we'll get into this. <laughs> like, there's a ritual. Jughead goes and watches a double feature with Archie. And that's chill and that's cool and that's all he wants. And I relate to that. Birthdays are awful for me and I hate them. Yeah. Um, like, they, they bring up a lot of weird stuff in terms of social norms and expectations and attention and stuff, I can really empathize with Jughead here. And everybody violates his trust really, really deeply. Um, yeah, <laughs> that, that is what happens, yes. So they throw a party. It's going to be just a small get-together, as the kids might say, some sort of kickback with just sort of the core cast initially. And Betty also issues an invitation to FP, but... Heart's in the right place. I mean, not in the doing the party in the first place, but in involving Jughead's dad in in extending that hand. That I will give her some credit for. She's doing a misguided thing, but she's doing it with feeling 
I guess. Yeah. Is what we can charitably say. I can say. appreciate that. That is good for me. But the rest of it is awful. Oh, of course. Uh, and of course, like every party on TV where someone explicitly says that a small number of people will be at the party. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to that. I wanted yeah, to say that yeah, okay. the party first goes off the rails when Kevin, assuming that close friends only meant that it was cool to bring Joaquin, so... Yes, by the transitive inner friend circle property, the <sighs> dude that I'm macking on which is a close friend of Jughead's now through alchemy. Right, and I can understand the way especially teenagers are, especially yeah, in relationships very, when they're just starting out. Like Very authentic for dumb teenagers. But at the same I, time... It's still infuriating. I will say this, like not wanting to have a party in the first place were this to happen to me, having Joaquin show up, even if I liked him, like even if as Jughead I sincerely liked him, I would sure. probably have a panic attack. Fair. I also have an, like pretty bad anxiety. I mean, it's not like Jughead doesn't. Yeah, I mean, he definitely seems to struggle with something <laughs> like that. And, you know, he doesn't have any sort of history with like important people violating his trust or anything. No. So no. we're going to need to derail real quick here to say that <laughs> apropos of kind of nothing, there's a <laughs> changing of power for the River Vixens where... <laughs> we will also get to this. <laughs> Veronica essentially challenges Cheryl's claim to leadership, and like reasonable human beings, they resolve this through a provocative dance number and then clapping. A dance battle for votes. If you will. Yes. Veronica wins. Foolproof. Democracy in yes. action. So Veronica has unseated Cheryl. I'm sure that's gonna matter a lot for the rest of the season. Oh too. yeah. Like critical plot mm -hmm. point. Yeah. So she goes and finds Chuck. You'll remember him back from episode three. You know, the maple syrup guy. The uh, the actual fucking worst. Yeah. Right. Um, the sex criminal. Right. And not like sex criminal. No, like a sex criminal. We're not talking like a Tristan Valentine situation. We're talking about an actual pushy, creepy, entitled, rapey dude yep. who needs to get his dick kicked up into his body. Yep. So that's great. And they just decided to gather everyone up and to come crash this party, which, I'll say this right now, I'm not 100% sure how they caught wind of that. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's, a, that's an interesting point. But they just show up with kegs, and Archie's like, screw it, let's do this, and invites everyone in. Oh, God. When he's like, Yes, he does. What? what? <laughs> Shut it down, buddy. Like... Jughead is getting visibly more distressed throughout this evening. The second they show up... Archie can't be bothered to notice that because he's too busy getting shmammered. That's true. I mean, there's a lot of teen drinking in this episode, so... There is just a bunch. Yeah. Do be aware. Uh, speaking of teen drinking, town alcoholic F.P. Jones shows up. <laughs> I like how he's more or less like, oh... This was a bad idea. This isn't what my son would like. Yeah, I, he does show up and is actually relatively reasonable. Yeah, he's like, yeah, th this is probably not great. So I appreciated but, that. I think I'm just going to put this present down and leave. <laughs> right. <laughs> this leads to Jughead and Betty getting into a fight. Reasonably so. Very much with Jughead here. Um, I think he takes it a little far and gets a little off into the weeds. Oh, he, he definitely uh, gets... He's right to be mad at her. And like, like literally my notes are, you tell her Jughead, oh wait, no, don't tell her that. Yeah, he gets like, <laughs> that... 
incredibly up his own ass with philosophical points here. Well, and he sort of does the thing where it's like, you know, my feelings are hurt. And so instead of like trying to communicate and explain myself, I'm going to get frustrated and just try to hurt you. Oh, yeah. He definitely does that. He lashes which is, out. Which is also a very teenage panicky thing to do. And like it it was, uh, I mean, as, as negative as it was, as unpleasant as it was to watch, it's not my river don't because it was consistently motivated. Yes. Like I get him going too far and not handling himself well. I mean, how could he handle himself well? Right. And this is a point where my memory gets a little bit hazy. Was this the point of termination for the relationship? Uh... I feel like this episode sees them break up, but part of me isn't 100% sure somehow. I will run, I will go to the tape. I will, I will watch a part of this wretched episode for you. Thank you. (laughs) They're clearly back together by three quarters of the way through the episode. Like she basically follows him to Pops and they reconcile. Okay. Almost immediately. Yeah. Jughead's dad, FP, basically sits him down and says like, don't do that kid. Don't just lash out. (laughs) Yeah. Go talk about your feelings and like try to grow as a human being and that Gets them back together. Don't be like me. Exactly. That's basically the majority of the party. Cheryl makes everyone play a weird secrets game that didn't. And gets just real fucking shitty yeah. with it. Basically, just like when she went over and spent time with Betty, she basically like sets up this game and then just starts viciously personally attacking everyone around her. Like, good job. And then this, you know, upsets people and it causes a lashing out at Cheryl and Chuck, particularly Chuck. They really tear him apart. Everybody gets drunk. Not so great. Yep. Archie and Veronica have a smooch. There was another, like, subplot where Veronica was refusing to testify on behalf of her father, but because of the potential consequences to her mother, after a conversation with Smithers, she decides to testify, not for Hiram, but for Hermione. And then we close the episode with Fred coming home with Archie's mom. Molly Ringwald. Molly Ringwald with Molly Ringwald. Perhaps because Archie drunk dialed his dad and said, during please the, don't. During the party and begged him not to. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, yeah. I will say that's an amazing piece of stunt casting. Though. Oh, yeah. It's incredibly thematically appropriate. Oh, yeah. But that's the episode, basically. And we get a return at the very end of the pearls motif where Hiram's like, thanks for saving my ass. I assume that that means that our relationship is good again because I don't understand humans. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Veronica gets some pearls. Great. So with that out of the way, let's talk about our River Dews. Um, <laughs> that to look a little harder for them this time. I'm not going to lie. Mine came to me pretty easily. Okay. And that's because I... Like we said back when we first saw Jughead and Betty get together, they don't really click. They don't make sense as a couple to me. And I never feel like their relationship is really solidified into anything that feels like a romantic relationship. Yeah, it's kind of a like, I can't have Archie. We've been spending screen time together. Oh, look, now we kiss. Exactly. So I like that at least for a hot minute, they call that into question and- that's basically it. There wasn't a lot there <laughs> in terms of that relationship. I've never felt like it really worked for me. And even though by the end of the episode, they reestablished that status quo, I appreciate that at least for a minute, they're like, hey, what's going on? We're just kind of dancing around yeah. these ideas of what it means to be girlfriend and boyfriend and who each other are. Like, that's not good. 
fuck this. It's done. I will say in defense of their relationship by the end of this episode that they have both now shown each other their deepest vulnerabilities. Yes. Which is something that was completely one-sided earlier. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, Betty was not at her best finding out all that shit about her sister. Right. I don't understand why that precipitated the attraction and the relationship and all that, but now they actually have sort of a level of emotional intimacy with each other that has been absent, I sort of think, until now. I'll take that. But that's my Riverdew. Yeah. So that brings me into my Riverdew, which... It may be sort of becoming old hat at this point, but it turns out I really like F.P. Jones as a character. I mean, obviously he's not like a paragon or anything, but I think he's a very well-written and believable character, a conflicted and human character. He has surprising amounts of depth. Yes, um, and I think that his admonition to Jughead to not run away and not just shut everyone out and isolate himself, it was the perfect... Like, he didn't fix the situation when he saw that this party was happening and that things were out of control. He's not that much of a parent. He's not that paternal. But when he saw his son making the same kind of mistake that got his life to the shitty place that it is now, he basically just said, hey, I know where this road goes and it sucks. Don't do this to yourself. Yeah. And I felt like that was like the perfect amount of empathy and well-meaning action for a character who is not perfect and won't necessarily just leap into doing the exact right thing right away. That he didn't stop the party, but gave the important advice, I thought was very nuanced and effective. Agreed, very much so. I think that was definitely my river do. My river don't is, God, like almost everything that happened in the episode. So... To focus it down is a bit of a task. A significant runner-up, and I mean, it's dead heat between these. Every character, of course, is just ignoring the fact that Jughead doesn't want this. And that this is going to be weird and awkward and uncomfortable for him. Oh, yeah. Everyone's being... And and every, 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 everyone sucks. Everyone is just their worst friends. possible self in this episode. But, of course, it's worse with Archie for two reasons. One, he's known him the longest, and he knows that this isn't just like a, oh, look at me, I'm quirky and unique. It's not an act, like he literally does not want this to happen. He knows that, so that makes it worse. And on top of that, Archie literally makes the argument against this party, from his own mouth, and later in that same scene, decides to do it anyway, and that never mind, like, what I just said convincingly earlier and the years of knowing this guy, never mind that for no reason. Yep. Like, my notes are, no, goddammit, listen to Archie when they were all sitting there talking about this party. And then I added later, especially you, Archie. Right? It was bad. But perhaps even worse than that, something that might be even a little worse to me is Cheryl's readiness to employ Chuck as part of her plan to make this party chaotic and crazy. Yeah. Because they're doing this thing with her character, I feel quite obviously by this point in the season, that she is cold and unpleasant and arrogant, but it's because she has a huge vulnerability that she's hiding. And, you know, her home life is terrible and she's actually very miserable. And her, you know, twin brother is dead and blah, blah, blah. Like, I felt like they've been telegraphing that from very early with Veronica comforting her after, like, the homecoming situation. And, like, 
her being forced in an earlier episode, episode three, I believe, into the role of doubting women who are saying they've been sexually assaulted and like minimizing and victim blaming was very unfortunate for her character. But they've continued this trend of like getting you to kind of understand what she's got going on. And then to have her again positively associate with this date rapist. It's just, it's such a step back for the level of sympathy that the audience has for her so late in the game. And you know, spoilers but it's a false step back it's not that she's actually arcing back into darkness it's that the writing of this episode is bad because her arc towards being understandable and pitiable continues as though this did not happen right as though she didn't do this monumentally terrible thing it's weird right both the performance and the writing in all the other episodes with the exception of this other thing with with chuck because uh, she was sort of, I felt like her character was sort of left carrying, left holding the bag on that scene because someone had to be the jackass who doubts these people, you know? Right. But this was like wholly unnecessary. She could have unleashed chaos without bringing Oh, she Chuck definitely back. could have and done it's... that alone. That was not at all necessary and made things really and weird. And even the motivation for it in the first place is almost like, well, shit, at the end of the last episode, Jughead said that she was going to unleash a bunch of chaos, so I guess we need to tick that box off because there's nothing in the actual plot that yeah. resembles that, which is actually probably the ultimate reason why this is my river don't. This episode is full of people breaking character and being terrible, but this one also didn't even serve the plot. It was just so weird. Yeah, um, I agree. And my river don't is basically your runner up to supplement what you said. Basically, the whole let's throw a party and break everyone's character. Let's have everyone disregard Jughead's feelings. And like the <sighs> instincts that they've already shown in their interpersonal interactions throughout the show. Yeah, it was just really, really ham fisted. And yeah, that's that's really all I have to say. Um, There's not yeah, much that you uh, haven't already said about it. It was bad. <laughs> But perhaps some joy can get squoze out of this with the weekly weird. Indeed. Indeed. And mine is a question that came up during the summary, which is basically how did Cheryl and Chuck even find out about this party? Where <laughs> did they come from? How did they figure this out? I can't imagine that they were like, let's just buy a bunch of kegs, get a bunch of people together, and then roll up into Archie's house. Oh, is it Friday? We better we better do all that and then randomly go around finding a place to land with all this shit, because that's what we do. Yeah, it was it was odd. How about you? Um, okay, I went a little down a rabbit hole with this, but how exactly does the managerial structure of the River Vixens work? Oh, I mean, clearly it's all about displays of dominance and then democratic voting. Because, okay, all right. First off, that was suspiciously as though a professional choreographer set that up. The the level of familiarity with the song and the complexity of dance moves was a very TV show. But on top of that... This is set up as kind of a bloodless coup by Veronica, but the 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 challenge was like kind of Cheryl's idea, and so like what? Pride comes before she the just fall. Was Rob, like, I have decided to make my position vulnerable because if this is really how it works, 
this is really how it goes. And she knew that it was just a vote after. How on earth would she have suggested this challenge if she didn't already have it fixed so that everyone in the River Vixens would be fucking ruined in their social lives if they voted for anyone but her? Like, it doesn't, if she's this dumb about it, it doesn't make sense that she's still in charge. Just kind of, at the end of this train of thought, that's the question that I land on. Like, why on earth did this happen? And if it happened, how did it happen the way it did? It just doesn't make any fucking no. sense. For for a scene that just looks like, oh, look, they're doing dance moves. It was surprisingly bustling. It raises a lot of questions. Absolutely. And all I can say and, uh, is that hubris is her flaw. I mean, I thought that being uh, hurtful and closed off <laughs> was her. She's got lots yeah, of Yeah, that flaws. too. And yet, much like Cordelia Chase in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I can't fucking help but like her, even though she's awful. Yeah, there's something somewhat likable about her in all of this. Well, like I said, part of it is just the the shit she has to suffer through, which we'll get even more of later. Yep. But uh, I think that that sees us through to the other side of this trash-awful episode. Yes, it does. And thank um, God for that. No, no, way, no way to go but up, at least in this season. Let's hope. So join us again next week as we continue to plumb these extravagant depths. As we kind of hurriedly deal with all these uh, background plots involving the parents and adults. Oh yeah, I mean we need to because start wrapping this stuff up. This, we only got three episodes left. There's this whole murder to solve and there's only three episodes left and they're like, okay, well we better get some of this shit done. <laughs> so look forward to that next week as we tackle episode 11. We'll see you then. Toodaloo. Toodaloo. <laughs>